Good morning, Victory Church family and friends. This is the day that the Lord has made, and we do rejoice. We are glad in it. My name is Paul. I am privileged to serve as pastor of Victory Church of Charlottesville, where we exist to see people reconciled to God and to each other. And I'm so glad this morning that you've chosen to tune in to us and, and this Facebook stream this morning and, and really deciding to make us your church home for about 29 or so minutes. Uh, and actually today we're going to go a little bit, uh, a few minutes beyond, not by much to 29 minutes, because today we get to partake of communion uh, together. And, and this morning I'm particularly uh, grateful for, uh, you know, those of you who over the last few weeks have have uh, publicly proclaimed the word the word through this medium. Um, Joseph Williams last week, Troy Savage, our prayer team uh, the week prior, and 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 I believe based on scripture that there's there's a, a desire of God to raise up additional leaders and public pro- proclaimers of the gospel, and so we will uh, be doing more of that and, and prayerfully raising up from within the Victory Church family. Um, and and I and I I hope and pray you were too as blessed as I have been in listening to just how God uniquely speaks through each and every one of us and and no doubt through those He's used in recent weeks and so we're going to continue on a monthly basis to create more space to create more opportunity for for a select few to to present the Word of God in this medium and periodically we'll continue to create space for the prayer team to also have 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 time in this space to lead us and to admonish us and uh, and to into uh, cultivating a, a deep prayer life and certainly they're praying for us every single day throughout the week but um, the, you know the the, the the point really is that all of us would be on the prayer team as it were right that we'd all be cultivating a life of, of engagement and conversation with our Lord and Savior um, Jesus Christ and and actually prior to this pandemic, the prayer team uh, was planning some, you know, prayer walks, and we were going to sort of infuse that into our Sunday morning flow, maybe once or so a month. And so we decided not to wait uh, to have a moment uh, on a monthly basis or however often that we decide to do it, where the prayer team will um, just share with us what God's been putting on their heart in prayer and then inviting us in to pray. Uh, and... You don't have to wait until the next time they're on uh, to, to pray, obviously, but you could also join us every Monday night. We have not stopped that for the last four, maybe five years. I'm trying to think. Now, we started that long before our first service. Every Monday night at 8 p.m., you can find on our website the phone number that you can call in for 20 minutes. There's a facilitator who leads us in prayer based on the previous Sunday sermons, sermon text, and, and everybody just prays in according to that word. Uh, together and there's something about that corporate time um, with Jesus and you know it's like any other relationship in some respect in that communication is critical to the health of that relationship it's critical so it's 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 vital to our spiritual health to communicate with our Heavenly Father and to listen as he communicates with us Um, unlike every other relationship though there's a return on that investment that is supernatural and eternal amen Amen. So join us. This morning, uh, I am excited to kick off a new sermon series for the month of February uh, entitled Victory Belongs to Jesus. And uh, this morning, we're going to be looking at the book of Galatians, chapter 2, and we'll be looking at verses 18 through 20. Uh, So Galatians chapter 2, 
verses 18 through 20. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me there. And as you do, let me pray for our time. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to study your word. We thank you for the privilege of reading in public without fear of, of uh, persecution, uh, the word of God, and studying and presenting publicly, outward facing in this way, the word of God. Thank you for the privilege and honor to do that. And we pray according to your word that you'd open our eyes to see all of the wonderful things you have for us in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Again, Galatians chapter 2. Uh, we're going to look at verses 18 through 20, and I'll be reading from the NIV. It reads this way. If I rebuild what I destroyed, then really I would be a lawbreaker. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Um, I'm going to go and read the next verse um, as well. Uh, verse 21. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. Um, the title of, of this message this morning is, uh, a fixed fight, a fixed fight. Uh, you know, many of us, maybe some of us willing to admit, uh, remember a certain Miss Olivia Pope. Uh, you can drop a thumbs up in the chat if you remember Olivia, if you're willing to admit you remember Olivia Pope. She's a character on the, on the show called Scandal. And Olivia Pope would be called upon to step in and fix these really nuanced and complex and messy situations at the highest levels of government. Um, Olivia Pope, played by Kerry Washington, would often sort of step in and, and, and say, it's handled, as if to say, I fixed it. The fight, it's all fixed. It's done. It's going to be tied up with a little bow exactly how I want it to be. There was this confidence she had and a swagger with which she moved that really only added to kind of her overall persona of being this fixer. Now, for those of us who uh, follow Jesus Christ and, 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 and believe in uh, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we, we believe the ultimate fix was put in play over 2,000 years ago. Jesus and conquering death in the grave opened up this pathway now for, for all of us to be given eternal life beyond this life and to experience life more abundantly while we're here on the planet through peace that passes understanding when we go through some, some, some turmoil, through a joy that is unspeakable, through, uh, through rest for a weary mind, through safety for the endangered, and, and so much more. But every now and then, we, we, we can sometimes, if we're not careful, get to the point where we feel like, you know what, I got this. We got this, right? We can, we can start establishing our own sets of rules and our own boundaries, our own parameters. And, and in a way, we can start almost unconsciously thinking, you know what? I can, I, I can set up my way to being victorious here on earth. I can, I can manipulate. I can control this. How many know we like control? 
And if you're here and you, you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ yet, the, the temptation uh, for you might be to continue to refine your own set of rules in, in such a way that you can endeavor to live what you would call victoriously. And so if there's one thing this morning that I really want to emphasize for all of us, uh, it is this. We die to ourselves. Jesus lives through us. Things have to change. When we die, Jesus lives. Things change. Some background on Galatians. The, the, the book of Galatians, it stands as a rather uh, vigorous apologetic or a defense um, of the biblical truth that all of us are, are that believe in Jesus Christ, we're justified by our faith in Jesus Christ and that we've been sanctified not by legalistic works, but rather by the obedience that comes uh, from the faith in God's work for us. The work that he did on the cross and the work he continues to do in and through us by the grace and the power of Christ and the Holy Spirit. And the Apostle Paul, who is believed to have written a significant portion of the entire New Testament, including this letter to a group of churches in Galatia, he's trying to, in this text, to counter some of, uh, uh, of, of those who were teaching Christians that they must be circumcised in order to be accepted by God. Something like that we hear today and we think, okay, that's kind of silly, right, if you're, we're sitting here listening to that, but... Truth is, there may be some things that creep in today in our own minds that, that in terms of teaching and, and doctrine that might tempt us to establish, maybe even reestablish, some, some customs in the place of faith in the work of Jesus Christ. All of which would be in an attempt, unconscious again, or, or subconscious, or, or consciously maybe, in search of some semblance of victory here on the planet. And so Paul beginning with the defense in this text of his apostolic ministry, going back to even chapter 1. He's kind of defending um, his, his, his authority, his authority. He, he, he's, he's, he's talking about how his commission comes directly from God and not from these other apostles. He goes on to show that the real nature and the design of the law of Moses was to lead us ultimately to Jesus Christ. All of the unique rituals and, 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 you know, the mosaic rituals and rites, circumcision in particular, that they were not necessary for justification, which means, by the way, being declared righteous or cleansed from our sins and being saved by God. But earlier in chapter 2, we, we learn uh, that there were, you know, some in the churches were being compelled by false believers, again, to reestablish these old customs. And so as part of Paul's explanation of why this is very dangerous and wrong he says this in verse 18 that if he were to rebuild what he destroyed if he were to advocate if you will for reinstituting the law again if he were to preach that by going back to rule following we could somehow save ourselves he would himself be a law breaker he'd be violating what law the law of god which says that Jesus is the fulfillment of the law, such that only through faith in him can we be saved. So he's pleading with them, in essence. right? He's saying, look, don't go there. Please don't go there. Verse 19 says, through the law I died to the law. In other words, listen, we tried this system of rules. And if we go further beyond the text and we go on to chapter 
uh, uh, chapter 3, we see that if the inheritance that we do have in Christ, if that depended on our adherence or our compliance with the law, then the world would really cease to depend on the promise given to Abraham hundreds of years before the law ever came. We can go to Hebrews chapter 11 where we see the honor roll of the faithful or the, 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 the hall of faith, if you will. That it was when Abraham believed. When Abraham believed, it was credited as righteousness. Not when he checked off all the right boxes. Oh, he did. In fact, in Genesis 26 and 5, it says that Abraham did, in fact, keep and obey all of God's commandments and requirements. But it wasn't about the checking off of the boxes. It was credited to him as righteousness when he believed. And just as a quick aside, we're, we're in, oh, it's February. We're in Black History Month. And, and, and I am, I, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for Carter G. Woodson. Uh, the son of former slaves, the scholar, the historian, the author, the, the founder of the Journal of Negro History in 1916, the second African-American behind W.E.B. Du Bois to earn his Ph.D. from Harvard. I'm grateful, grateful that Carter G. Woodson launched the celebration of Negro history in 1926, a precursor to now what is Black History Month. Grateful. Absolutely thankful. And... If we just check off the box of a few, you know, nice MLK quotes and posts on social media during Black History Month. If we just kind of check off the box of watching maybe a film this month and please watch them, watch them all. 13th and American Skin is out now. Roots, um, you know, Selma, Just Mercy, please watch. But it's not enough. More importantly, in a... Not just the checking off of boxes, but more importantly, the, believing in the necessity of telling a more complete narrative of our nation's history all year long would be a celebration. Now, I'm far from a historian, and this is a quick aside, and we'll close the parentheses, but it's relevant. Uh, I'm far from a historian. Many of you are, are, are studies of history in ways that I envy, right? Uh, but, but I am always struck by the historical context in which we can place these present day discussions. For example, as much as I value uh, uh, law enforcement, for example, and I do for many reasons, not the least of which include that my own family is serving to this day, working hard to be a positive force within the larger system in the NYPD in New York where I grew up. I, 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 I value and it's fascinating when I look back and read and I discover how you know, slave patrollers became militia. Those militia became the American army in the Revolutionary War. And after the war, those folks, those men with guns, were charged then with putting down slave rebellions and eventually in charge of enforcing all the laws or, as it were, policing. That when the southern states decided that they would sort of rather own human beings than, than be a part of America, those militia became the Confederate Army. And after the Civil War, the militia came back home. Some of them maybe, you know, I just maybe didn't know what to do or what, but they started uh, what was called a Circle of Brothers, also known as the Ku Klux Klan, who we know was racially terrorizing uh, uh, during, through Reconstruction, enforcing Jim Crow laws, etc. 
I think about that and I think, you know, Stop and Frisk didn't start in the 90s when I was growing up in New York. Disproportionate numbers of unarmed black citizens being killed in comparison to other groups that didn't just emerge out of nowhere. Black people writ large have just generally the black people's relationship with police, for example, I'm choosing that one as this quick aside comes to a close this morning. There are others. It's, it's inextricably linked to the history of our country. That cannot be confined to a month. So much more. I'm reminded um, about how I was never taught any of that. Not just because I got up and I tell my wife often, man, 11th grade U.S. history. I got up and went to the bathroom. He told us we can go. Don't interrupt him. So I did. And I didn't come back. I go walk to school and come back 30 to 40 minutes later. It wasn't just because of that. I appreciated my teacher's efforts, but figured I could go and read the textbook that was being read to me in class on my, on my own and prepare for the end of year test, which I did. Um, it wasn't just because I skipped class is what I'm saying. It just wasn't in the books. I read them. Excelled on my end of year test. Got into UVA. Did all the things. And now I'm blown away, actually, especially as an educator, at what I never received from any of my K-12 through education. Blown away. So no matter the sermon series, I'm coming back, no matter the sermon series, in my case, in this space that God's called me to occupy, it's always Black History Month. I'm reading a book now called Reading While Black, and it's just amazingly unpacking how each of our respective social locations impacts our reading and experiencing of the Bible, and, and the author is deepening the appreciation that we can all have for the black church in particular and the contribution that it's made to all of us endeavoring to follow Jesus more faithfully. Fascinating. True belief is is yeah. true belief in something is is always going to drive so much more. Checking off boxes just won't do it. Not enough. And so Abraham believed in God and then it was credited to him as righteousness. We die to ourselves. Jesus lives through us and things have to change. And so the Apostle Paul, again in this text, is saying, listen, please don't fall prey to the false teaching that somehow our attempts at self-improvement is making us holy. Don't be misled. Now get a self-help book. They're great. They're good. They'll be helpful. But, but don't be misled. That's not where all of your victory is, is residing. Don't go back to relying on that. Now, having established in this moment the groundbreaking truth for all of us that circumcision doesn't save us, what well-meaning customs, maybe even biblical customs, what might, let me say that differently, what might well-meaning customs uh, that we would put into practice or be tempted to put into practice uh, or establish to pursue victory here on the planet? What? What is it that you might be tempted to establish by way of customs to pursue the victory that you desperately seek, that we desperately seek, that I desperately seek? What well-meaning, sometimes even biblical customs, might we be tempted to put into place? The whole point is we, we, can, we can do all that we know to do, check off all the boxes, but if there's no substantive belief, no faith-filled life attached to that custom as we pursue victory? There is no victory. I don't know what checking off boxes might look like for you. It could look like 
you praying a certain number of times a day, again, a good thing. It could look like you're giving of your tithes and offering, again, a good, a biblical thing. It might look like you serving in every ministry you can find. That may not be a good thing, spreading yourself too thin, but, but, but serving is absolutely a good thing. It could be you're practicing your craft for hours on end. All good things, biblical even. Maybe in the city of Charlottesville, in the post-August 11th, post-August 12th of 2017, Charlottesville, maybe it's reading as many books as you possibly can read on race, attending all the forums you can attend on race relations. Again, a really good idea. Maybe it's clocking how many hours you can go volunteer down at the Haven, the homeless shelter here in the city of Charlottesville. Again, a good thing I would encourage you to do that. Or maybe it's, how many can I get on this list of mentees? Again, a good thing. Pour into as many folks as you possibly can. It's all good, but the main event in this text is Paul's reinforcement of the fact that it is not in the custom. Those are just, those are manifestations of a deeper change that has taken place. And for all of us, myself included, that distraction can be ever so subtle to even where a church becomes just a community service organization, which we are not. We die to ourselves. Jesus lives through us, and things then have to change. And so as such, Paul says in verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer uh, live, but Christ lives in me. In the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. What makes the church the church? And I'm not just speaking of victory at this point. I'm speaking of the larger C church. What makes the church is that our victory is not dependent on our capacity. How many know that's good news? Good news. Not dependent on my capacity or your capacity. And as grateful as I am to serve as your pastor and know that I am our pursuit of the vision here to see people reconcile to God and each other is not dependent on my physical presence as much as I like being here, and I do. It is, though, dependent on Christ living through us, yielding transformation that no temporal condition could ever come against nor thwart. So please don't walk away from this moment hearing me say that, look, we don't, we don't have, you know, we're not to do all of the things I referenced and more. Please do. Go for it. And we will as a church. Go for it. We absolutely will. If anything, when we recognize that when we die to ourselves, th th our efforts would, would only increase then. Not, but not because we have faith in our capacity. Rather because of the privilege we get to steward God's capacity in which our faith ultimately rests. Again, we die to ourselves. Jesus lives through us. And then things have to change. I don't know the challenges. I don't know specifically what pushes your buttons today, this week, in this pandemic. I don't know what makes you more or less likely to start establishing your own customs. I don't know. Maybe it's in trying to figure out how to find some peace and have that be your portion in the midst of all this chaos. So, so maybe you start coming up with and relying on some customs outside of Jesus in order to find that space. Maybe it's, uh, you know, restlessness because your child wants to sort of go about learning the hard way, the lessons you're trying to teach them. And so you're losing faith in the ultimate source of your wisdom and you're going elsewhere to try to establish customs that might 
do what only God can. Not saying you don't get wisdom, you do, but you're relying more on it than you are on the ultimate source for said wisdom. Maybe it's fear gripping your heart after being laid off in this season. And maybe you're tempted then to go back to the old customs, the illegal forms, if you will, of, of the, 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 the hustles, if you will, uh, uh, out of a good place of wanting to provide for your family, but illegal nonetheless, to go back to those customs to do just that. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's unimaginable grief and loss, and no doubt we have all experienced it in this season and life in general, certainly in this pandemic. And you're looking for, again, the next sort of self-help book or something to help you figure it out. I don't know what it is. But I hope you'll declare with me today that it's a fixed fight in Jesus. Seeing people reconcile to God and each other in Charlottesville, y'all, it's a fixed fight. Not because of my capacity, your capacity, but why? Because over 2,000 years ago, God said, you know what? I love you so much, I'm going to send my son to die for you going to take your sins, past, present, and the future, and nail them to the cross. And then Jesus, who, who led a sinless life, therefore being the only one who could atone for our sins once and for all, tearing the veil so that we could all now enter in. Jesus lived the life we should have lived, died a death we should have died in our place, but didn't stop there three days later, got up out of the grave with all power in his hand. That's the God that we serve, proving that Jesus is the Son of God. And it is on that reality that our faith now rests. That's the fixed fight. And even in a fixed fight, you there are going to be some blows thrown. So I know there are bumps and bruises along the way. But no victory belongs to Jesus. When we die to ourselves, Jesus can then live through us. And things have to change. The question is, in what ways is God calling you? In what ways is God calling me as I close and we transition to communion? In what ways is he calling us to, to die? To die to self so that Jesus can live powerfully through you and through me. The issue is never the capacity of his power. Never. Never the capacity of his power. It's, it's more about, God, where's my faith? <laughs> Where am I ascribing my faith today? Who's Lord? Who's, who's really reigning on Paul's heart today? And being honest and looking in the mirror at that and saying, God, help me. Help me to add to my faith in you. What if from this faith-filled perspective and posture we allowed God to inspire and work through us individually in our community to see healing and relationships that we're a part of? Unimaginable productivity even on your job. Let him into the workplace. What might happen? What, hap what would happen if we lived faith-filled lives such that we really believed it was a fixed fight? That we have everything we need in Jesus. Our salvation, our complete salvation as Hebrews talks about, it's found in Jesus Christ. Victory has and always will belong to Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for the word of God, the tree of life from which we can eat on a daily basis and not just on Sunday morning. Help us, Lord, to die 
to the very thing that would get in the way of your doing what you want to do in our lives. Help us to die to our flesh so that you can live through us. And as a result, we can see the supernatural, not a storm free life here on earth. You never promised us that. Oh, but with you, we can live a storm proof life in that we could see you amidst the difficulty, amidst the chaos. We could see you clearly in what only you can offer amidst the grief, amidst the pain, amidst the challenge that no custom that we'd be tempted to go back and rely on ever could. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you. And as we head into this moment of remembering your sacrifice on the cross, we thank you. We thank you that we don't have to rely on our own strength, but we can trust in you with all of our hearts, our minds, our soul, our strength. We can lean not on our own understanding, but in you place every ounce and bit of our trust. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. At this time, I'll give a few seconds for you to grab your communion elements. Um, don't worry if you don't have the, the, you know, the nice packets we often give out when we, we're meeting in person. You grab some juice, grab some bread, grab water, grab what you have. And we're going to pray that symbolically it be representative of Christ's body and his blood that was shed again on Calvary's cross for our sins. I'll give a second for you to grab that. Communion. Whether you're joining us for the first time or you've been with us in this moment, we believe it's a celebration of the gospel. The gospel being that Jesus took on our sin, received the wages of our sin, which was death, by the way, and did so in our place so that we could be made whole through him. And participation now in communion is for anyone who has put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, which, by the way, you can do right now on the altar of your heart. The Bible, though, does say in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 that we should not take communion in an unworthy manner. And so we always take a moment just to reflect and ponder the goodness of our God and to examine our heart's posture before him today. Let's take a moment to do that. Bible says in that same chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning at the latter part, latter part of verse 23, that on the night that our Lord Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's eat together. Verse 25 says, in the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's drink together. Lord, we thank you. We thank you. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning. For your shed blood on Calvary's cross, through which now we can experience eternal life, abundant life. Thank you for being the propitiation, the atonement for our sins, 
once and for all. And we are thankful, God, that you, you didn't stay in the grave. You got up. And now there's this promise of your return with which we can anticipate with excitement, with joy, with the praise, like the psalmist says, ever on our lips. We will bless you at all times, in good times and in bad times, because you are good all the time. We are forever grateful for your sacrifice. And we lift up your holy name. We magnify it greater than any earthly predicament in which we find ourselves today. Help us to experience the reality of who you are in every said predicament. Your comfort, your peace, your, your, your warmth, your presence. Help us to dwell in it. Find refuge there every day of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, family, we absolutely love and appreciate you. We are grateful that you've joined in with us this morning. Uh, we pray that the, the word um, spoken, and, and it, it would go beyond just the head knowledge of whatever it may have been that you, you didn't think about prior to this, right? Let it, we pray that it moves from intellectual headspace 18 or so inches down into your heart, into my heart, into our collective heart so that it can be applied on a daily basis so that we can bear the image of our almighty God as well as we can here on the planet. I just want to hear well done. I just want to hear well done. And so every day is another opportunity to live more faithfully than we did the day prior. And to that end, we serve a victorious God who offers us the privilege, again, not a storm-free life, but a storm-proof one such that we can experience his victory here on earth. And so that is my prayer. That is our declaration at Victory Church for us to live in victory. Love you, fam. Have a wonderful week.